Hey guys, this is Rich Bokini. You might remember me as Kevin Owens punching bag on SmackDown. You're listening to the whole rough and show, the only podcast that calls it right down the middle. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reffin show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 116 of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reffin show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. And man, the the wrestling parts and pieces are on the move here as we get closer and closer to WrestleMania. Uh, Now that uh, we've got Royal Rumble in our rear view, we're going to talk about Royal Rumble, though, uh, on the show, as well as the winners of our official third annual Royal Rumble contest. That's exciting to talk about. It is exciting to talk about when you. I was getting excited because you said parts and pieces, and that made me think of like when you buy canned uh, mushrooms, like in in water, you know. And uh, why are you crinkling your nose, he dear said- listeners? He's crinkling his nose. <laughs> he doesn't like the idea of parts and pieces of mushrooms. I don't like uh, the ideas of parts and pieces of uh, mushrooms. Unless we're talking about Mario, I don't want to hear about mushrooms. Uh, so we're going to talk about Royal Rumble and the Royal Rumble contest. We're going to talk about NXT Takeover Phoenix was a was a wonderful event. It was a fine event, and uh, of course, Jared and I did go head to head, head to head on both Takeover and the Rumble. So we get to find out who's got more wrestling knowledge than the other. Uh, smart money's on me. That's not what that is not what that determines. <laughs> sure, sure, it, it does. Determine- it determines a lot of things. That is not one of them. Funny, it doesn't determine that when Darren loses a head-to-head. Head-to-head. Exactly. But also, we're going to talk about some departures going on at WWE. Man, Darren, the rats. The rats are leaving the sinking ship, Darren. It's a regular bubonic plague over in the WWE. And I'm doing, I'm doing my best every day to sound more and more like... Mauro Ronaldo. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a regular bubonic plague there, mama man. And Darren Beasley, as excited as I am to talk about the winners of our third annual Royal Rumble contest and tell them all about what they've won, we can't do it, not until we talk about them. Headlines. Reportedly, Dean Ambrose is on his way out of the WWE. And strangely enough, you know who's reporting it? We are. The, well, we are now, but the WWE. Yeah. The WWE broke the story, and that doesn't ever happen until they actually leave. This is new ground where they didn't announce that he they really well they really didn't announce that he was leaving they just announced that he wasn't resigning and you know that doesn't normally happen usually that news breaks elsewhere and then 60 or 90 days later we get a farewell on wwe.com but rarely does wwe get ahead of the story and say hey guess what this guy's not resigning asshole <laughs> right. But that kind of seems like what they're doing to Ambrose. But that that's that's kind of the interesting thing about this. Like because WWE is even talking about it, and because he's you know been on Raw since Rumble, 
talking about, you know, more or less talking about leaving the company, it makes it seem kind of worky, doesn't it? It does. So what do you think? Is it a work? No, I think it's real, but I think this is WWE's really, really smart way of going like, oh no, it's all... It might be his plan, independent of ours, but no, no, it's actually our plan. Thank you. You know what I mean? WWE's got a really good uh, way of doing that, which is really irritating, by the way. <laughs> it totally is, but I mean, when you control the whole deck, you can control where the cards fall, and that's Vince McMahon's speciality. And I guess that that kind of makes perfect sense, but you're right, it does have a real worky feel to it um and this is also like uh brand new like to i guess on raw and on the rumble itself dean ambrose kind of had a not a new new look but a, a new ver variation i guess because he was back to black pants instead of the lighter colored ones but they were like like no jacket he had the wallet chain they were kind of low-rise jeans it was kind of like <laughs> Kind of like, oh, there's a lot of skin there, Dean. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so what What next? Assuming it is 100% shoot, and in April he's gone. Well, actually, let me, let me back up for a second. When in April? Is it over April 1st? Is it over April 9th? Is it over April 30th? Uh, if it's over after WrestleMania, if his contract ends after Mania, do you squeeze that last little bit out of the tube? Do you get an Ambrose performance at WrestleMania? Or do you rob him of it and say, you know, get out of here? It's, uh, this one's kind of difficult, kind of a difficult read. I mean, Ambrose uh, was gone for a long time. He actually missed the last WrestleMania. Uh, he basically missed WrestleMania 33 because he had to defend his prestigious Intercontinental Championship on the pre-show which I was at that mania, and again, I was in line for, like, a soda, and I thought, I'll go get a soda now, I won't miss anything on the pre-show, and sure enough, meh, you know, Dean Ambrose music hit, and I was like, oh, fuck, come on, because I'm actually a Dean Ambrose fan. Um, I, I think the most sad part about this, Darren, is the fact that he'll never actually come out to Lunatic Fringe, like I've always wanted him to do. Uh, at WrestleMania. Well, that's true, actually. I was going to say, maybe he will somewhere else, but if he goes somewhere else, he won't be the lunatic fringe, because Vince McMahon definitely owns that at this point. Well, it won't stop him from coming out uh, to the song Lunatic Fringe by Red Ryder. Uh, so he could do that as a little nod to his past self, but... I, I think it would be cool. I, ever since you mentioned that, I thought that would be a great idea. So where's he going? He's not a young man. He could retire. It would be an early retirement, but it wouldn't be a ridiculously early retirement. He's got options. I mean, he could easily show up in AEW. I'm sure Vince McMahon would love that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, he's got ROH. He's got Impact. I mean, anyone who knows uh, Dean Ambrose, they all kind of say the same things about him, which is like, you know, he's a, he's a quiet guy. He's a loner, a rebel, Dottie. Um, but, uh, he's also someone who actually loves the business. So he's not just out there making a paycheck and doing what he's sold. Like you can tell he's bothered by, you know, how he's been used. And again, he was injured for a very long time. Um, but his return's been kind of, uh, I, I don't know. It's hard to say when you, 
when you move into a new gimmick, and I guess by new gimmick we mean new haircut and a jacket, um, <laughs> things can be a little oh. weird. Obviously, Roman Reigns uh, leaving the way he did kind of messed up any Shield plans there may have been when uh, Ambrose got back into town. So hard to say what the plan actually was, but nevertheless, Ambrose apparently is kind of just fed up with WWE in general, so he wants to move on to greener pastures. What those greener pastures are remain to be seen. But he's not the only one, Darren. Hideo Itomi! Speaking of people who <laughs> are injured for long periods of time and come back. Uh, oh, my God. This the, man this man put a, a whole new definition on that. <laughs> right. Yeah, Hideo Itami, it's just been one injury after another. Like, I, I thought he, this guy was headed for retirement, and I wouldn't have blamed him. After about the second or third nine months off, I've been like, you know what? I could do something else, uh, or at least try and do this somewhere else. I mean, the guy is not—he's uh, not an American, and yet he's been living here for years. He's been here and, longer than I've been here at this point. <laughs> and no prestige, no great reward, no spotlight, no prestige. Uh, he was no the illusionist. <laughs> <laughs> neither one neither one and and you know he just has not had the career that he was promised now he hasn't delivered on his own promise but i don't know i i, I feel bad for the guy i kind of wish he could go back to japan and just completely start over um again for his sake well i mean you you want to hit the i, I won't speak I won't say this of you, but I know that I would like to hit the reset button on a lot of people uh, when they showed up in NXT or uh, WWE. But yeah, Hideo Tommy was supposed to be, I think they brought him in to be the guy for a while there, but he got injured. And then, you know, I hate to say it, but Shinsuke Nakamura showed up and no, he was the guy. And it's kind of like, um, I don't know, it's kind of like Hideo showed up and it's like, yeah, that's, that's Shinsuke Nakamura. That's, that, that's what you would have been if you were as good as Shinsuke Nakamura, sure. Yeah, and what it makes me think of is before Nakamura came in, there was a picture, and this was back when NXT was still truly developmental, and the idea of bringing in these very well-seasoned veterans from the indie scene and have them be at the top of NXT uh, back when that was a brand new idea, I remember a, one picture of Triple H in the ring uh, at full sail, and he was surrounded by a Tommy, uh, Neville, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. And at that point, Owens was brand new, and uh, Hideo Itami was also pretty new, and Zayn and Neville hadn't been there that long. And, you know, we're talking about Okay, well, that's Kenta, Kevin Steen, El Generico, and Pac. And they had all been blowing it up on the indie scene uh, in England, in ROH, in Japan. And there they were all together. And that's, uh, that's a pretty bleak-looking picture these days. You know, both Zayn and Owens on the shelf. Pac is now an AEW after a very, very... Uh, <laughs> weird, convoluted, and very public emancipation from the WWE. 
and then Hideo Itami, Kenta, whatever you want to call him, his very muddy and public dragging through the muck, you know, it's like, golly, you know, what a mess they've made of some people. Like you said, makes you want to hit the reset button on several people. Oh, absolutely. No, uh, I totally agree with that because, well, I said it. Um, <laughs> um, no, no, but Owens actually Owens actually uh, is basically all but back. He's actually wrestled uh, in, in lesser matches uh, recently. So he's basically getting the ring rush shaken off right now. Um, not on TV is what I'm trying to say. He's, he hasn't appeared on TV. Uh, Neville, though, uh, his departure from WWE was, again, much like the Ambrose thing, where WWE talked about it so much, it seemed like, oh no, it was WWE's idea. That's why it's happening. Nothing happens unless it's our idea, Darren, you see? Um, so, that's more of the same. Well, to me, I think WWE just wasn't on the Neville level. Cup of haters. <laughs> Haven't said that in a while. Um, oh, that, that was wrong. That was wrong with Dean Ambrose in the day. Which tell me, it's that they were good with the haters. <laughs> Again, uh, the uh, Edith Bunker, is that her name? Man, thank you, Enzo Amore, for giving us Edith Bunker. <laughs> oh, ever since he left, we couldn't do Enzo Amore impersonations. It's very sad. Uh, come back, Enzo, if only for that. If only for that. Um, so, I mean, and, and that's where we're at right now. Ambrose wanting to leave. Hideo Itami wanting out of his contract. Uh, I think it's it's a sign of things to come. I think there's going to be a lot more where that came from, especially once AEW officially opens its doors in the coming months. So, I think so, too. It is, it is going to be a flood. Absolutely. Floodgates open. And, and lastly, I'll just say, I think a lot of people are going to be like, who's John Moxley? Uh, <laughs> right. And then the second thing that concerns me is, what about Renee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did talk about that. I, I, I really hope that they're not uh, vindictive enough to kind of take it out on Renee. You know? You know what? You know, and I'm not, I do not. I mean, I even hesitate to say this, but I'm going to say it. I actually have a bit of concern. I don't presume to know what the marriage is like between uh, Renee Paquette and John Good. Right. AKA, AKA yeah, yeah. But say for the, for the fans yeah. who don't necessarily know, we're talking about uh, uh, Renee Young, commentator slash uh, personality of WWE and Dean Ambrose, wrestler for now, temporarily at WWE. They're, they are married in real life. Yeah, and I do not presume to know the inner workings of their marriage, but from the one season they spent together on Total Divas and from their social media profiles and from that WWE 24 or 365 or Chronicle, whichever one of those docu-series they did on Dean Ambrose, I get the feeling he's not the warmest and cuddliest of husbands. And while, you know, I understand what you mean, and I, and to a certain extent, I think uh, we should worry that WWE might be vindictive, I worry about Renee possibly being under a long-term contract to WWE and that negatively affecting, you know, her husband's role as her husband. I, you know, I, I wonder what, 
a non-WWE John Good, John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, uh, how he behaves in his marriage uh, if she remains with the company, especially such a, 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 a face, a public face of the company. Right. Yeah. Also remember that those, those, uh, those real shows could also be scripted Darren. And I, I'm sure they have a very, a perfectly fine relationship. I do, I do know Renee Young took to her Instagram and put a nice little post about her husband, uh, doing well, whatever he wants to do. Very short and sweet sentiment. Uh, very dangerous. If WWE reads it and goes, Oh yeah, you want him to succeed? Well, Guess who's not doing commentary anymore? Um, and the answer, and the answer is David Otunga. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah. Hopefully, Renee Young will be doing fine. I think she's doing a fine job as a commentator. Uh, when you realize she's there, when Michael Cole stops talking, um, she does a fine job. She, she did a really fine job with the Rumble, I thought. Uh, but uh, we can't talk about that again. And so we talk about NXT Takeover now, Darren. You and I went head-to-head. Head-to-head. It had been a while. Our hashtag, dear listeners, had been wondering, did we drop the segment altogether? It was like, no, 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 no. We just didn't do it for a while. But now we're back, folks. Back by popular demand. That's right. Our popular demand. Here's our head-to-head. Head-to-head. For NXT TakeOver. Saturday, the 26th of January, 2019. Phoenix, Arizona brought you NXT TakeOver. That's right. TakeOver back on the WWE Network, spotlighting the yellow and black, the golden black, if you will, if you listen to Mauro Ranallo. I always just called it the yellow brand, but whatever. Apparently, it's the golden black brand now, and that is NXT, and they are going to have their, their, their by comparison, smaller pay-per-view. You know, do whatever they can to diminish it somewhat because they know it's a better product. And uh, we get our five sweet matches, our five sweet takeover matches. And uh, this did not disappoint. This was a good show. Uh, I will say that this takeover, as compared to a takeover from a year ago or even two years ago, they really uh, are not the same shows. They, we, you, you know, you want to talk about upward mobility, you've got people that move uh, around on that roster, on those cards, as well as people that move up to Raw and SmackDown. And so it's always fun to, to flip through your list of takeovers and see how different those five matches really can be. And uh, people that you, you'd never heard of a year ago will now be headlining uh, on NXT, and this night is no exception. Right, and some people might... Uh take exception to uh, <laughs> some people headlining in the uh, NXT TakeOver event, uh, like Sam Roberts did with one person. Uh, we'll get to that, though. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that later on. Um, but yeah, the TakeOver was great. I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I watched it basically right before Rumble, so I watched like way too much wrestling all at once. Oh my god! Because uh, I, I didn't watch it the night before, and I couldn't look at any social media because I didn't want to ruin any of the outcomes for myself. But I was trying to like interact with our our contestants in the um, Rumble contest we were having at the same time, so it was like gotta make sure I only look at certain posts or whatever. But anywho, uh, Takeover was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, and the first match of the night is actually for the tag team championships. That's right. The Undisputed Era 
hold the NXT Tag Team Championships. And on this night, they are defended by one half, two-fourths of the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. And they took on the War Raiders, Hanson and Rose, formerly known as War Machine in Ring of Honor and in New Japan Pro Wrestling. The uh, newly named War Raiders opened up this show with uh, a spooky-dooky entrance. And uh, that was pretty cool, right? <laughs> it certainly was a long entrance, yeah. Um, I, I do wonder how many uh, NXT uh, extras were... Uh, I, I immediately thought that. Sometimes they have the wrestlers, they're the soldiers or the whatever kind of support for the entrance. I do know Sarah Logan was actually one of the uh, one of the soldiers. Um, That's but, cool. But That's I, was, cool. I was looking at him like, all right, well, which one's Kona Reeves? Come on now. Which one's uh, which one's Dan Matha? Yeah, you, you, you got to find like, all right, who's, who's extra long beard is that? Who's got visible tattoos? Right, exactly. Yeah, like, like when the paramedics are on Raw, you know, and it's like, oh, these paramedics are really buff and tatted up. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, God. And then, like, you think from, like, years and years, you know, Teddy Stigma ha was uh, an extra on Raw one time uh, as a security guard. Ah, yes. Uh, lots of people have fulfilled those roles. Um, uh, Cesaro did it years and years and years ago. I know that Tommaso Ciampa at one time was um, was an attorney who came out and sued The Undertaker and uh, an old friend of ours, an old friend of ours, Rhett Thibodeau, well, at one time was a bodyguard for Vince McMahon. And uh, that was very uh, interesting. So you, you never know. What <laughs> who was a bodyguard for who? Vince McMahon is massive. Yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> now that if you're mentioning Rhett Thibodeau and you're saying the word who, I got to say, not Jim Neidhart. Um just, just to clear the air there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, who? Jim Neidhart. No, okay. Jim Neidhart, under the hood, he was known as who? Um, you know, one of the most obvious ones now is to look at the old uh, entrance where Triple H has the three girls. Again, it's and Charlotte and Sasha and, like, Becky or something like that? It's Charlotte, Sasha, and Alexa. And oh, it's that's so right. clearly them now. But, I mean, at the time, it was like, oh, whoever those people are, whatever. <laughs> whoever those nobodies are. They're, they're not all future champions. But you were right, though. That it's a long entrance. I think that there was some miscommunication. Because Rowan Hansen took a very long time to ascend out of the floor. Um, I also noticed that the two different columns of soldiers uh, began to walk forward at different times. <laughs> And the, the ones who got the early start kind of looked over at the other ones like, come on, guys. Yeah, I mean, it, this I was glad to see a three-hour takeover, but this entire hour was spent on the War Raiders entrance. Um, <laughs> the, the match itself, though, obviously a very good match. Obviously, these are both very capable tag teams. Uh, man, Roe Ro picking up um, Kyle O'Reilly makes Kyle O'Reilly look like a child. When Hanson picks up Roderick Strong, it's even more so the case. Uh, the War Raiders, I mean, I'll just go ahead and say it. The War Raiders destroy Undisputed Era. They kind of make it look easy. And just they play up the whole bigger men thing uh, the entire match. And it doesn't even seem fair. 
No, and it is that. That's at a glance, uh, Roe is so much taller than Strong and O'Reilly, and then Hanson is twice their girth. And yet, Hanson may have been the most agile performer in this match. Sure. When you see his 330 pounds move in the ring like Yoshihiro Tajiri and do a handspring where his legs bounce off the ropes and he comes back with a flying double elbow, that is not ever supposed to happen. <laughs> right. And when you've got somebody that is that size who's moving just as well, if not better, than Strong and O'Reilly, who are a third of his weight, I mean... You can't beat that. In no world is it believable that the Undisputed Era wins this match, if it's a fair match. Right. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's well, I mean, for, for what it is, like, it, I don't want to say it's a squash match, but like I said, it, War Raiders have it for more than half the way where it looks like it's going to be in their favor. Like, this is how big man versus little man matches should be booked, I feel, where War Raiders look strong the entire time. Undisputed Era does still get some offense in. You know, they, they do get the quick attacks in, just multiple quick attacks, you know, try to chop down the trees, as it were. But like I said, in the end, War Raiders do walk away with those NXT Tag Team Championship belts, and we said they would, so go us. That's right. We both start the show with a victory. Next up, the original bro, the altered bro, Matt Riddle, takes on the knockout artist Cassius Ono, in a grudge match that has been building now for several months. The uh, the all-too-sensitive Cassius Ono, wearing his feelings on his sleeve, very upset uh, that he's been passed over by all of these younger, newer stars who have come into NXT, and the most recent one being Matt Riddle. And... Uh, so Matt Riddle took it to him at the last takeover, beat him in one second, beat him by surprise. He knocked him out, so to speak, uh, giving the KO to KO. And this time they have, a, they have a more proper match, a sanctioned match that they could both prepare for ahead of time. Hashtag if wrestling were real. And uh, <laughs> here we have, here's that match. Here's the match we wanted at the last takeover, and now we get it. Especially me. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Matt Riddle. And I'm a very big fan of Cassius Ono. And to see them That's in the ring a is like a dream. Oh, my God. <laughs> to, to see them stand across the ring from each other, this is, a, this is a dream match for me. This really is a dream match for me. Some people might look at that kind of sideways, but I don't care. This is a dream match for me. I went sideways just now looking at Darren. Um, I, know. I know you did. No, no, Riddle versus Ono is a fine match, Darren. Fine match. The misstep here is it should have been the first match of the night because this match following the tag team match that we just saw, it was kind of like, eh, this isn't as good as the last thing I just watched. So it probably should have started the night off because, um, like I said, after an Undisputed Era match, it's kind of hard to keep that momentum or kind of top what you just saw. Um, that's a... Undisputed Era fights anyone, uh, let alone the War Raiders, who are capable of quite a few uh, athletic feats, uh, even though they're two pretty big men. Um, so yeah, Riddle versus Ono, it's a decent match, and obviously it's an official, actual match match, because their first match of the last takeover was not really uh, a fight at all. 
it ended so quickly. So it was nice to see an actual wrestling. Uh, I'm trying not to say match again. I just said it. Uh, <laughs> but Matt Riddle, of course, does beat Cassius Ono because we figured he kind of had to. If Ono stopped Riddle there, it would really hurt uh, Riddle's momentum. So we get that one right. Good for us. But no, it, it is it is decent for sure. But uh, I'm going to need a bit more uh, to get more excited about Matt Riddle. Which is to say, I am excited about Matt Riddle, but I'm saying I'm not where you are. I'd like to be where you are, Darren. Well, you know, I don't blame you. It's pretty good where I am. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, that takes us into our next match. For the NXT North American Championship, we have Ricochet with that uh, pretty cool garnet-looking belt. And uh, taking on Johnny Wrestling himself, Johnny Phoenix, Johnny Gargano in Phoenix. Uh, he's going to challenge Ricochet for that title. And I said Ricochet all the way. And I said Gargano or no. <laughs> right. And I, I don't understand what that means now or then. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, excellent match, by the way. I mean, again, Rick, when you have Ricochet and Gargano in a match with anyone else, it's going to be decent. When you put them together, forget about it. Also like the uh, the Ricochet outfit, very Miles Morales. Uh, shout out to the, into the Spider-Verse film. Um, but uh, no, just excellent. Excellent match. And uh, strangely enough, the only match that we disagreed on, Darren... You said again, Ricochet all the way. I said Gargano or no. And even, I don't know what that means. But I was right. Gargano does pull out the victory in the end. I was inc I was incredibly surprised by this. I was flummoxed. I was flabbergasted. I was stupefied. Um, not because Johnny Gargano is not a good wrestler. Not because he doesn't deserve it. Not because it's not a good story. I just didn't see them taking the belt off of Ricochet here. Um, and we talked a lot about that last episode, how that's not a good idea, what that means, where do you go from here? Well, here we are. They took they they did it. And now <laughs> you know, and now I'm thinking those things. Like, I mean, Ricochet doesn't need a belt and he doesn't suck when he doesn't have one, but now he's a former champion, like there are plenty of brighter days ahead for him in NXT and in WWE and probably somewhere else too. But you have, by definition, already made him a has-been. Oh, wow. I wouldn't be that uh, severe there, Darren. But I mean, in it, NXT, it, it could, well, he literally, that's what he is. Well, it, he's old. He's already old news, and he was still new news. Well, the thing is, it could be they're trying to build up 205 Live, so they're basically hitting the, hitting the, the red button on the desk and calling up Ricochet to 205 Live, which, again, isn't much of a call-up, but... Uh, technically, it's not. It's a call down. Well, technically, me. it makes you WWE official, though, and not NXT anymore, which in itself is a call-up. So it could be they just want Ricochet on a different show um, uh, while they have him, I guess. I, I don't know. But uh, surprising, they did take the belt off of him. And again, they probably shouldn't have put the belt on him if they were going to take it off this quickly. But it seems that it's possible Gargano might not even be champion anymore. I'm not going to say more than that because I don't like to talk spoilers in the show. Um 
Oh, you're looking at you don't know. Oh, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you off camera uh, about that then. Wow. So huge spoiler, by the way, and they shouldn't do shit like that. I hate I hate when belts change hands and people read about it. So so that is that. Gargano is your new North American champion, ladies and gentlemen. I was right, and we agreed on everything else, uh, which means that I officially won the head to head. Head to head. For NXT Takeover Phonix. And I uh, give you a tip of the cap, sir. Well, thank you, Darren. Darren put a cap on so we could tip it. Thank you. Ticket sleazy, Darren. Not JD Tippett. Not Officer JD Tippett. R.I.P. <laughs> you bet. He was the, the he was Lee Harvey Oswald's second victim on November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. Oh Lord, here we go. Okay. In the penultimate match of the evening in Phoenix, Arizona, the NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler put her title on the line in a defense against EST, Bianca Belair. She's a living superlative, Perry. <laughs> that's something I aspire to be. Um, that's true. It's it's like, you know, it's all it's all things that are good. Uh, that's what Bianca Belair says that she is. In this world, you're lucky to be a lative, let alone a superlative. In what world? Uh, whatever world. In a world? <laughs> in a world. In a world where a woman has a six-foot-long braid <laughs> that apparently actually hurts. Did you see the like, it sliced Shayna Baszler? Yeah, I don't see why that wouldn't hurt someone. It kind of is a whip, and that's how I she uses it, and that's what it is. One thing I don't like about Bianca Belair's matches is it's like a it's like a how do I say this? Uh, ladies, you might know. Uh, you can say it with your mouth. I'll say it with my mouth, but ladies, you might know. Uh, it's like when a woman puts on something that she doesn't wear very often, and you can see how uncomfortable she is in it, and it makes you like, and that's that's all you can think about is how uncomfortable that person is wearing that. Like women who wear. Like a short skirt, and they probably think it's a bit too short, so they're constantly tugging it downward. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, and that—that's the thing with I, her hair. I know, what you, I know what you mean there, but I don't know what you mean about Bianca Belair. I'm gonna tell you right now. That's the thing about her hair is she's constantly aware of her hair. Like when she ducks down, like she has to hold on to her hair so she doesn't step on it when she's leaning over, or like her opponent doesn't step on it when she's leaning over. It's all I can think of the entire match was she is so aware. Of her hair, that should be a T-shirt. Um, like she's, like, she's like, so aware of to, her hair to the degree that she's like self-conscious about it because it it almost happened. Like Shanna Baszler almost stepped on her hair. Bianca Belair was leaned over. Um, so like that kind of takes away. It's I don't know. It's it's like when a woman or a guy sells a, even a guy yeah sells a move. And they realize like their butt cheek is hanging out of their of their like you know trunks, and they kind of like fix it, even though they should be like semi unconscious. And it's that kind of thing. Oh, for sure. You, you know what it makes me think of as well. I mean, your your point is is right on, but it also makes me think of like the guy like the in the Guinness Book of World Records. I think he's an I think he's Indian. He has the world's longest fingernails. Yes, exactly, exactly. And that. like. He has to keep them in a bag. Like, <laughs> where's I the mean, fun in that? It's like 
you've made one of your arms useless. Yeah. It, I mean, it literally is useless. It's like he can't do it. He 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 gave himself a handicap, like, and not a fun golf handicap or gambling handicap. <laughs> he gave himself a physical handicap for what? Uh, who cares if you have the world's longest fingernails? It's gr- at best, it's disgusting. It's all and- he has, Darren. It's all he has. I, I guess, folks. But, folks, if you have a dream, if you have a dream, you go out there and you achieve it. Don't listen to Darren. That man's unless, dream was to have the longest fingernails in the world. No, uh, yes. If you have a dream, go for it, and I will support it. Unless it's to have <laughs> the world's longest fingernails, and if that's your dream, fuck you. I I do want to say this on record, hashtag dear listeners, if you've you've been wondering this, I'm going to go ahead and tell you it is true. Darren Beasley, my co-host, has exceptionally manicured uh, fingernails. So now I understand why he is so upset at this one man uh, who had a dream, who dared to dream. Yes, Darren, I see them. Those are actually very nice. My my fingernails are not uh, as nice because I'm a man. Um, so, and there was a bit of hubbub about this match, uh, before it even started, uh, Sam Roberts had some words about Bianca Belair saying that she quote, was not ready for a takeover, uh, match. And the thing about that is he's right. And I was going to say, Hey, Hey, Sam Roberts, you was right. Yeah. Well, we, we talked about this going into takeover on our last show, like Bianca Belair, interesting choice. Again, there's only five spots for a takeover, five coveted spots. And uh, it was interesting they went with uh, Bianca Belair. And again, not saying she's not athletic. Not saying that she can't be a very good wrestler at some point. Our point is, she's not yet. So why is she on TakeOver uh, fighting uh, the champion for the title? So uh, hats off to Sam Roberts for saying that and and not backing down, even though a lot of people are kind of giving him shit about it. And we're not even a huge Sam Roberts fan on the show. No, we've actually never... I mean, I don't think either of us hate Sam Roberts... But I know for a fact that neither of us are fans of Sam Roberts. Right. We've often found ourselves going, why this guy? Of all people, why him? <laughs> First of all, why not us? Right, 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 right. Why don't they put why don't they put you and I up there in one gigantic sports coat and tie <laughs> with two with two heads coming out of the collar? Well, they should do that just to do that. Um, also, we're two we're two pretty big guys, so that would be a that would be a giant hulking thing that only Braun Strowman could defeat in Pumpleness Mission. <laughs> <laughs> that's worth. Oh my god, that is worth but, yeah. doing. Yeah. Besides the fact that that's definitely <laughs> who should be on the Takeover pre-show panel uh, instead of Sam Roberts. I fully <laughs> so this is the first time I've ever been like right on Sam Roberts because. For one reason and one reason only, hashtag if wrestling were real, I'm going to go back to that well. This is how you report on it. You report on it subjectively. If you don't want opinions, don't have human beings on your panel. Or at least tell them them to say exactly what you want them to say. Yeah. Have a computer print facts on a screen or have dummies come out and go, nah, 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 you know, like Super Mario calling a Mike Tyson's punch-out match. <laughs> but 
But if you want, if you're going to hire these people, if you're going to hire commentators, let them commentate. And I think that might be the teeny tiniest bit of truth to make it on the air in a long, long time. And of course, he's reprimanded for it. Oh, sure. Absolutely. For having an opinion. I say we want more opinions. And Sam Roberts, you also look much better with a beard, sir. So keep the beard. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Uh, but keep no, the and beard and keep the opinions. I, I agree. Uh, I agree with Sam Roberts and that she wasn't ready for takeover. And again, he did not say that she never would be. But his argument was right now she is not ready for takeover. And I agree with that. But I also, again, enjoy the fact that he did not take it back. And he didn't. He didn't backpedal and go, well, you know, guys, what I said was, he said, like, no, I said that, and I mean that. And the only way for him to be shut up would be Bianca Blair going out and putting on a five-star match, which, if she's ready, then let's see it, and we did not see that. No, that's the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's not a bad match. No, not at all. It's really not. But, But the only thing... That Bianca Belair did that was impressive was show us how incredibly strong she is, and that's cool. Like there's a that that's welcome in a wrestling match. I mean, I would say I would dare say that Davy Boy Smith was not the most uh, proficient cl- ring clinician in the world, and yet through his pure feats of strength, he became you know, a a champion many, many times over and beloved for decades. So sometimes just showing off your strength is enough in the world of pro wrestling. It's not really anymore, but uh, it certainly is part of the package. And guess what? Bianca Belair, she's accomplished that part of the package. She is a very physically powerful and strong young woman, but she can't wrestle. She really can't wrestle very well at this point. It shows We've said this before about uh, Lacey Evans is, you know, she's got a whole lot going for her, but when you put her on this big of a stage, you you know, warts and all, guess what? When you go warts and all, that includes warts. Right. It might include some pretty cool looking all, but it also includes warts. And that's what we get out of Bianca Belair here is she looks green and Shayna Baszler does not look green. She looks like a champion. And so it looks like, it looks like what it is. It looks like a champion versus an unprepared challenger. That's what it is in real life. That's what they tried to pretend that it wasn't in kayfabe, you know, and Sam Roberts kind of, I don't know. He kind of straddled reality in kayfabe there. So, you know, Back to Sam Roberts, good for you. Back to Bianca, good effort, but you, you know, they ask too much of you. And, and I think you stepped it up. You just aren't quite there yet. Right. You got to remember. Shana Baszler, wow, I can't say enough good things. No, Shana Baszler, uh, good as always. Uh, and again, Shana Baszler wasn't even one of our favorites in the beginning of her NXT stint. We weren't really on board with her. It took some doing because she got better at it. Um, but, I mean, Bianca Belair, obviously, if opportunity knocks, you need to answer the door, and she did that. So no one's going to fault her for that. However, you have to remember that this is your takeover match. You know, it's going to exist as long as, you know, NXT exists or the network exists or the archives exist, which Smart Money says for a long, long time. 
is this how you want your first, you know, live NXT match to go, your first takeover match to go? Um, probably not. You probably should have trained a little bit longer and then maybe in the next few takeovers jump in there and have a, a fucking match that people were raving about the next day. Um, is, is my thing there. So good effort from Bianca Belair. Was not worthy of an NXT takeover, and that's just a fact. Shayna Baszler wins with some help from her friends, uh, and Shayna Baszler retains that championship, that women's championship belt. One quick question. I, I need to interject. Did I miss something with the Marina Shafir face mask? I don't know. I think she just added that in. I was going to ask you that same thing, but I think it's just <laughs> like, this makes me look more of a badass. So, Okay. I, I definitely like her and Jessamyn Duke wearing the the shirts that play off of each other. One says, let's play, and one says, let's one says, fight. One says, I'm a stupid. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um. What? <laughs> <laughs> In a, in, a, in a Zucker Brothers movie, that's what it would totally be. And you know it, Darren. <laughs> I am heaving with laughter right now. <laughs> that does take us into our main event of the evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tomasa Champa taking on Aleister Black. And to me, Darren, this was match of the night. Yeah, for sure. Um, this was the Aleister Black match I've been waiting for for a long time. I don't think it's Tommaso Ciampa's best match by any stretch. Not even, you know, his best NXT match. But it's a it's a damn good match, and it's a really good one from Aleister Black. Yeah, Aleister Black finally getting that, uh, that main event spotlight. Again, not because he's champion, because Tommaso Ciampa is champion. Darren, for a very long time, I was bothered by Tommaso Ciampa because he reminded me of someone... And I couldn't put my finger on it until I watched this match and I realized who Tommaso Ciampa reminds me of. Um, I was going to ask you to let me guess, but I don't even know where I would start. Oh, no, no. I, I'll, I'll try to let you guess here. It's a comic book villain, but it's not Marvel. It's not DC. What? And, huh? it, and it, had a, it had a very limited animated series on MTV. Uh, the Max? Is he Mr. Gone? Yes! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Tommaso Ciampa looks like Mr. Gone from The Max. You know who I always thought should be Mr. Gone, right? In a Tommaso Ciampa? Tommaso Ciampa? <laughs> yeah. Is this coming Gary from a circle? Old. Gary Oldman? Gary Oldman. Well, you say that because Gary Oldman can play anyone. But yeah, I can totally see that. <laughs> Well, that's true. Gary Oldman could play Tommaso Ciampa in a heartbeat. Right. <laughs> Speaking of Lee Harvey Oswald earlier, Gary yes. Oldman did a, did a magnificent job of playing Lee Harvey Oswald. Uh, no, but I can see that. Tommaso Ciampa is Mr. Gone. Tommaso Ciampa is a... It's amazing that he could be anybody else because he's he is a unique man. Yeah, on one hand, you want to say that he's like no one and no one is like him, but I, I do see I do see your point. Alistair Black, I kind of, uh, I kind of feel the same way about. Like there is no, Alistair Black is like no one, and no one is like Alistair Black, um, and that's what makes him so fun to me. And uh, you know, I, I just love that he's that he's Dutch. I, I, you know, the same the same way that I love that Cesaro is Swiss. I'm like, you know, those those people don't become professional wrestlers. Like, how did those guys get into pro wrestling? Right, absolutely. They should be growing their fingernails long, is what you're trying to say. 
instead of uh, <laughs> professional wrestling. I would definitely agree and say that both Tommaso Ciampa and Aleister Black are very unique individuals. Uh, and especially Aleister Black with his uh, very specific skill set. So even if someone looked like Aleister Black, they would not do what Aleister Black does in the ring. Uh, and it's a great match, and I, I'm not a fan. I've been outspoken about this many times, and it typically happens in NXT matches, uh, more so main event matches, where someone has to sell a leg injury throughout the match, which only... In this match, it's more so to, to say, like, oh, can Aleister Black even accomplish Black Mass, his finishing maneuver with a hurt leg? Uh, so it does kind of ail him throughout the match, but it doesn't slow him down so much. Uh, it would basically, like like Nakamura fighting Bobby Roode, or a Samoa Joe, like, basically make Nakamura useless for half the match. And it's like, well, what am I watching then? Um, this match, though, it, it slows him down a bit, but doesn't stop him. And they're able to put on a great match. And in the end, though, Champa does retain that NXT Championship belt. And we said that he would, Darren. Yes, we said that he would. Uh, we did not believe that uh, Alistair Black needed a second run at the championship and at the at the top of the company. Um, what we know, I'm going to spoiler alert for the Royal Rumble. Alistair Black appears in the Royal Rumble. How close do you think his call up is? Oh God, I hope very far off for his sake, and also very close <laughs> and very close for his sake as well. Uh, I I I, uh, I hope so as well, but. I just didn't think that it was in the cards uh, or in the stars even for him to be a two-time NXT champion. Um, and that they kind of maybe gave him this match as a, an early farewell as well as a, here's your main event. We never bothered to give you when you were the champion. And, uh, and so that's cool. Um, I think that I don't know where you go from here with Champa as the champ. Um, we know that after the match, he goes to the top of the ramp and then Johnny Gargano comes out holding his newly won NXT North American championship. And, you know, people are saying, uh, to me personally, as well as online, you know, Gargano was really secretly just eyeing the NXT belt. Obviously the, the overt message they're trying to give us is that, uh, if you want to do things, you have to do it yourself, DIY, and that to you know separately, they have together won the top two belts in that company, uh, and are they or are they not uh, reunited? Well, I think they need to be. I think that they absolutely need to be. That would be. I want to see them deliver heel promos collectively but they don't have to be a tag team they can hold separate individual titles and just be you know good buddies because you know, <laughs> I, I think that, that we're seeing that that's what they are and uh it was funny to see champa recognize and and relent instead of just attacking gargano because he was there to see him kind of wait to see what gargano did and then kind of smile and even laugh and that laugh seems super genuine. I really enjoyed that uh, when Champa starts laughing and then holds his NXT title up like he can't even believe his good fortune of having Gargano back at his side. So I'm interested to see how all that really plays out over long uh, over the long term. 
And that is NXT TakeOver Phoenix, our head-to-head. Head-to-head. And Darren got the one match wrong, everything else he got right, but I got everything right, which again makes me the winner of our head-to-head. Head-to-head. I just like to say it, that I called a perfect takeover. You know, it wasn't too hard to call, obviously. Well, it was for some people. But that does take us to... The Royal Rumble, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, we're going to get into our third annual Royal Rumble contest and talk about who was involved once again, talk about who the winners are, and talk about what they've won. So let's do that right now. (laughs) Coming from the other side of darkness, this is Holiday, and you're listening to the only podcast that calls it right down the middle the whole reppin' show. On the night of Sunday, the 27th of January, 2019, the night following NXT TakeOver, from Phoenix, Arizona, Chase Field, the home of the Arizona Diamondbacks, WWE presented the 2019 version of the Royal Rumble. This was quite a show that featured the spectacle of spectacles, and that is the Royal Rumble match. And that's twice, and each of them contain 30 superstars for a total of 60 superstars. It depends on your definition of superstars, Darren, but go ahead. Well. 29 superstars and Apollo Crews. Oh! I'm kidding. Actually, that joke should have been more about uh, No Way Jose. (laughs) That is for damn sure. I've never been so happy with an elimination ever. Like, <laughs> I mean, if they're trying to outdo what Bushwhacker Luke and Santino Morella, I, they couldn't have done it to a nicer guy than No Way Jose. Oh, dear. I was thrilled. Thrilled, I tell you. Thrilled. Fair enough. Well, before we talk about Rumble proper, we got to talk about the pre-show, right? We do. And there is a sh- Wow. Even above the, uh, or I guess above and beyond, before the pre-show matches that were announced, there's just a secret match that that actually started off the evening, and that is your Raw Tag Team Champions Bobby Roode and Chad Gable, and I don't like the fact that they just gave Gable Roode's gimmick. Just here, just more... Here is more Bobby Roode. He he asexually reproduced. Like, <laughs> you know, I hate that. I don't know. Like he was an earthworm and they cut him in half and each half grew back a half. That's what happened here. Sure. And that's the story of Chad Gable is he's a regrown earthworm. <laughs> and uh, that's not fair to Gable and it's not fair to Roode. But in a weird way, they're pushing them. They're the champions but they're in an unannounced <laughs> pre-show match against a hodgepodge team that we have no explanation for why. Have you found out why yet Razor and Scott Dawson are tagging together? No. Where are their tag team partners? No idea why Why anything is anything, Darren. Okay. Akam and Dash Wilder do not appear at this show. They do not appear anywhere on this show. I don't understand why this happened, but Razor of the authors of one half of the authors of pain comes to the ring with their manager, Drake Maverick, who I guess is, is not the two Oh five live GM anymore. I don't even know. Um, 
I know they love uh, <laughs> the artist formerly known as Rockstar Spud on the network. Oh, my God, he's everywhere. Uh, and then Scott Dawson looking very nonplussed to be in this match and be tagging with Razor and be doing the job. And that's exactly what happens. The show starts off with a job fest. <laughs> I mean, it's a nightmare. It's a it's a nightmare. It's a it's a hot mess. This match is just unnecessary. I guess it's a way that you give these guys a payday. You you get they earn their money, and and, and I don't know. I just don't think it needs to exist. One of many hot messes and a lot of things that need to not exist. And again, more reset buttons need to be hit on a lot of these people. Uh, I don't really have much to say about that match, but... Huh? Well, we, did, we didn't know about it, so we didn't pick it. So, moving on. Moving on. Our first match that we get properly is the United States Championship. And Rusev who is the champion, accompanied to the ring by his wife, the ravishing Russian, Lana, from Florida, <laughs> defends the belt against Shinsuke Nakamura, the man he took the belt from. And this match deserves so much better than being on the pre-show. And yet, here it is. And uh, this was a throwback for Rusev and Lana, this was Rusev and Lana of like five years ago. It really was. Uh, I Lana was was the damsel in distress. She's standing there with her hands on her hips. She's proud of her man. She, this is not Lana the Total Divas star. This is not Lana the wrestler. This is that early, early days like uh, Vladimir Putin, Silver Star of Excellence or whatever version of Lana. And so that was kind of weird to me. It was a weird little throwback. It's like when for one night only Triple H puts on the DX gear and struts around trying to make us think that he's still, you know, a 27-year-old degenerate. <laughs> yeah, break the rules that I make. Yeah, for real. So, I don't know. Um, Shinsuke wins the match. He wins the belt back. Yeah, which is weird and odd because um, Rusev just had the belt, and he we both said Rusev would win because why would you give the belt back to Shinsuke immediately? But sadly, this whole thing seems to only be a ploy to injure Lana, which you find out why later on in the night. Uh, but uh, yeah, the ending's really weird and awkward. And shouldn't happen that way. And even though I'm a huge Shinsuke mark, I mean, I still don't agree with how this whole match played out. No, and the, and the whole, like you said, the ploy to injure Lana, that is yet another throwback. It's it's like whoever whoever was the agent for this match or whoever was writing this thread of this storyline, it's like, did you just watch, what did they do? They just watched all the lead up to WrestleMania 31? Because this is how Lana, this is how every match went with Lana and Rusev. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out. I'm going to fall off the ring apron and twist my ankle. That happened so many times four and five years ago with Lana. She's got weak and, ankles, Darren. Yeah, well, you know, if you're an athlete, they, they have a whole room back there with trainers, and they got lots of tape. They can tape up those ankles, man. <laughs> They're professionals. They, they are professionally trained in taping ankles. They're really good at taping ankles. And... That's what that's what Lana needs to do. But I'm telling you, uh, that is just 
it's just it's lazy. It's lazy writing. It is lazy, lazy writing. Um, and as a result, it's sort of like, yay, Shensuke won. Does anyone care? You know, uh, the match is nothing. Uh, I will say Rusev looked great, though. Rusev himself physically looked great. And uh, I still have high hopes for Rusev. Well, it's sad because every time you think, oh, they're going to develop Rusev again, they don't. Uh, so I don't know what the deal there is, but they can't seem to pull any trigger on Rusev anymore. Again, right when they go like, oh, he's highlighted. Hey, he's over. Hey, his shirt is the best-selling shirt. That means they give him something, right? No, he's still a court jester. So that's just uh, how, how Rusev has played out these days. But So I don't know what's going on there, but that does take us into some cruiserweight action. Another title defended on the uh, pre-show here. Buddy Murphy defending that cruiserweight championship built against Hideo Itami, uh, Kalisto, and Akira Tazawa. Uh, Hideo Itami, who is accompanied not to the ring, he's accompanied to the entranceway by Aria Davari, a.k.a. Billy Sting. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, did they, did, did they just pay Aria Davari to tape up his wrists, walk up a staircase, stand next to Hideo Itami, clap three times, and then walk back down that staircase. Did they fly Billy Sting to Phoenix for that? <laughs> he, he needs to come back out and interfere in the match later. He needs to be a surprise entry in the Rumble. He ne- what? Huh? Well, that's not much of a surprise, but he could at least have been ringside throughout the match or something. Anything. Okay. Match itself, though, is excellent. I mean, you it have is. a lot of a good match. you have a lot of good wrestlers together, and again, it's it's hard to make a bad match out of four very capable cruiserweights, and it is an excellent match. And you know who's the best wrestler in this? And we don't always get to say this. Kalisto. No, <laughs> I was about to say the, cha- the champion. Buddy Murphy looks like he's the champion for a reason. There you go. Like, and that's fun. Right, wrestling fans? Right, dear listeners? That's fun. The guy who looks like he's the toughest and the best is the toughest and the best? There you go. We reward talent with awards? God. (laughs) Bloody Buffy Muffy. Buffy Muffy. (laughs) He's now now Bloody Buffy Muffy. Um, Interesting. He retains the belt. He vanquishes uh, two foes from the land of the rising sun. Vanquish. As as well as one uh, luchador. And um, so good for Buddy Murphy. It is. He's proven himself to be a good uh, cruiserweight champion. So hopefully his title reign will be uh, quite a ways out. And we are heading to WrestleMania, and all bets can be off at WrestleMania. They do like just titles changing hands just to change hands at WrestleMania. And, and unless you're Austin Aries, of course. Uh, of course. And then uh, something, 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 Banana Man. Exactly. Uh, we, we both picked Bloody Buddy Matthew to win the match, so good for us. We both get a check mark on that one instead of uh, Whammy. <laughs> Well, once we get into the Royal Rumble proper, because we've already watched two hours of wrestling, 
Now it's time for a four-hour wrestling show. Or four hours of wrestling if you just watched TakeOver before you started watching Royal Rumble. <laughs> you know, and I groaned earlier uh, when you said that you watched TakeOver right before Rumble. Well, <laughs> it's not like I did any better. I just watched three Rumbles before the Rumble. Oh, my God. Three, three old Rumbles. I know last week I talked about watching 2012 and uh, I don't know one other year, but... I ended up watching like 97 and 99, and whew, that was a long day. It's a good day. I have to say it was a good day, just like Ice Cube. Did you have to use your AK? No, I didn't even have to use my AK. <laughs> Nobody died in South Central LA. I have to say it was a good day. Asuka is the SmackDown Live Women's Champion, and she's defending it against the man. No, she's not defending it against a man. She's defending it against the man, Becky Lynch. And Becky Lynch, what, whew, if they, they could name a roller coaster after Becky Lynch after this night because her night is a roller coaster on this night. And she takes on Asuka in a singles match for the title that she thinks will take her to a possible WrestleMania main event. That's right. Her, her night was a roller coaster. Her body is in Wonderland. Uh, <laughs> old Becky Lynch and uh, Oscar. Watch out. Watch out, John Mayer. Well, I know that uh, I, I knew as soon as this was the first match that there would be something involving one of these ladies in the ladies' rumble later on. Um, and especially with the outcome of the match, I knew for sure something would be definitely happening uh, later on in the night. Again, surprised it was the first match, if not for, uh, I'll go ahead and say it now, Becky's involvement in the uh, rumble later on. Um, but man, I mean, it's it's a decent match. Uh, they both look good in this match. I like that Asuka looks good in this match because she tends to not look good in matches these days. Uh, she was very dominant in NXT, but as soon as she got to WWE, it was almost like she get her ass kicked for five minutes and then just out of nowhere, uh, you know, put you in uh, the Asuka the lock. But uh, in this match, they both look strong. And I, I, again, I appreciate whoever booked this one. Nothing else to say. They both look good in the match. But very surprised by the ending where Asuka throws on an arm submission on Becky Lynch and Becky just taps. She just yeah. straight up taps. And it was like, whoa, I would not have booked it to end that way. It looks like Becky was just like, oh, ow, 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 okay, stop. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's what it looks like when like tough guys tap out. You know, it's like, uh, oh, no, 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 stop, 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 for real, quick, quick, you know. Right, and then, I mean, this is the woman, the man, if you will, who walked around with her face half-destructed after Nia Jax uh, forgot how to throw a working punch. Uh, and it's like, that that woman, is that same woman is tapping this quickly? Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're right, that was a weird ending. She could have still tapped, but she needed to be under much greater, longer, sustained duress. Well, we're talking about Becky Lynch, who these days is, is being more compared to Steve Austin than any other female wrestler. And you immediately think of, like, blood from a stone, where Steve Austin is busted open, bleeding all over the place, in a sharpshooter, compliments of Bret Hart, refusing to tap out, and then just passes out. And that's how Steve Austin loses that match. And you go to Becky... And she just taps out. Like, I, I would have appreciated a lot more of, like, just a roll-up out of nowhere. And and Becky, like, made a mistake instead of, I can't handle pain. I'm Becky Lynch. You know what I mean? I do. I oh. know exactly. I, I know exactly what you mean. Well, there you have it. Uh, 
I, uh, sorry, I, I, you almost lost me though, because when you started talking about Bret Hart and Steve Austin, I, I started having uh, like I started having like an audio hallucinatory episode where I could <laughs> I could literally hear Bruce Springsteen singing Glory Days and, and seeing like Steve Austin bleeding and me and me thinking. You know, wrestling has always been a deliberate sport, but so many things that are legendary in the business were happy accidents. And, you know, that match between Hart and Austin may have been booked in a certain way, but it wasn't choreographed. You know, it was not a dance. It was a fight. It looked like a fight. It felt like a fight. And it elicited true emotion. And, you know, sometimes I get distracted thinking about <laughs> glory days. Um, but pass you by, Darren. Yeah, I wish there. I wish, I wish there were a little bit more of that. Um, I will say that this is a great location. Chase Field was an excellent location. I love the fact that they didn't have a Titantron. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Um, now, of course, they overused that new like 3D whatever on the screen. But I like the fact that they were essentially coming out of the dugout and. You know, there were the smaller screens to the side to give, a, you know, their name and a little bit of color and a little bit of pop and a little bit of pomp. But uh, not having the Titantron, that's that little bit of difference that I've been looking for. You know, I say that I get tired of every WWE show looking exactly the same. Well, they, they fixed it. That's all they had to do. It looked so neat and so different. There was a little bit of that throwback feel as a result. Kind of felt like... Uh, like a really old WrestleMania, like from Sky Dome in Toronto. Well, it may have been punishment for the audience, Darren, because um, that—that's actually unfortunate. Of all the of all the events to not have a Titan Tron, Royal Rumble is not one of those because you want the audience to all chant or all count down with the number on the Titan Tron, the ten, nine, eight, which we don't get that for the most part. Uh, I don't remember if we got that or not of this show. I always pay attention, but maybe it's punishment for the. Uh, the, the Iron Man match between, I think, uh, I think Sasha and Charlotte, where uh, every time it got down to a, a 10, uh, <laughs> they would start saying 10, 9, 8, and get to 1 and go, eh, the entire Iron Man match. Uh, so maybe that was a slap on the wrist for the, uh, the, the fans. I, I don't know. But, uh, but so yeah, uh, interesting outcome to this, but it, it just makes you think that there's something coming up later. Uh, with Becky, and that's what does happen. But the next match. The SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions, Sheamus and Cesaro. Sheamus and Cesaro. Collectively known as The Bar. And you know why? Because they don't raise the bar. They don't set the bar. They are the bar. So they say. Uh, they take on Miz and Shane McMahon, and I. it's almost a week later, and I still haven't figured out what they're doing together. <laughs> Why are they together? Is this an actual face turn for Miz? What's happening? Why is his weird dad in the ring? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we learn enough from John Cena Sr. being at ringside too often? A decade ago, 
now we got you know Mr. Miz. Like well, I don't. The the Miz's dad uh, even is like like way too much involvement during like at the end of this match when we'll go ahead and say it. McMahon and Miz win the match. Like the camera on the Miz's dad a lot to the point where like it looked like the Miz's dad was a little uncomfortable. Like all right, <laughs> it's not it's not about me now, guys. It's almost like the Miz's dad showing up on SmackDown the next week was kind of like Shane McMahon got really really drunk at a party after Rumble and was like, "You're gonna be on you you're gonna be on SmackDown. You're gonna be there. I'm gonna put you on SmackDown." And then like realized he made that promise and was like, "Oh God, I gotta put him on SmackDown now. Um, I gotta fall off of something." So that's what it seemed like. My voice. That's what it seemed like to me. Uh, the bar losing to Shane McMahon and the Miz is just absurd. I I, I hate that happened. Um, and both you and I said that that should not happen and would not happen, but it did happen, Darren. So McMahon and Miz are your new SmackDown Live uh, tag team champions. I like the Miz just fine. I love the Miz. I don't like Shane McMahon as a wrestler, and I don't understand what this is. I don't understand this booking. I don't appreciate this booking. Sheamus and Cesaro deserve a whole lot better than this. Miz deserves better than this. Miz deserves better than this story because it's a non-story. And if it's just leading to Miz versus Shane at WrestleMania, Miz deserves a better WrestleMania than that. Okay, if, I mean, I, yeah, if, if Miz and Shane McMahon are going to fight each other at WrestleMania, then leave the tag team titles out of it. That's yes. reserved for tag teams. Don't, don't, well, don't, no. don't, 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 don't sacrifice the tag team championships for a singles feud at WrestleMania. How about you leave that for the tag team feuds of WrestleMania? That's such an easy out for the writers, I feel like. We'll get them involved in a tag team, and then one will be mad at the other when they lose the tag team titles. It writes itself, and I can go to the beach. Lazy, lazy. Yeah, we don't want it to write itself, writer. We want you to write it. That's why we hired you. Right. We didn't hire the story. We hired you, dummy. <laughs> so they win. So, whoop to shit. I tell you, you know, if we don't, like, Miz and Shane are not earning anything. Uh, I tell you who is earning every red cent of her contract. That's Ronda Rousey. That's right. The Raw Women's Champion in action next against the legit boss, Sasha Banks. And, you know, Sasha Banks, she's a bit crestfallen these days, um, if you will. And I think that this match is not as big as it would have been a year ago. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, Sasha Banks isn't where she was a year ago. I mean, she's having, like, this really great feud with Charlotte. Um, I, I don't want to say they've done Sasha Banks wrong uh, since she's been in WWE. Because, I mean, she's obviously had quite a bit of success. But think, No, 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 no. You're, you're thinking of Bayley. <laughs> well, there, there's that. But, I mean, even Sasha Banks, think back on her title reigns. The very short title reigns uh when she was feuding with charlotte and uh put on barn burner matches great matches but and then after after charlotte left uh for smackdown they really didn't know what to do with sasha at all so they're getting her involved with bailey and that that's just a friendship that breaks up every few months because the writers can't let anything stew long enough to actually be worth anything um, so it's, it's very uninteresting. So I just don't think they know it through Sasha at all, but 
This is a really good thing for Sasha Banks because if you if you fight Ronda Rousey at the pay per view, that's kind of that 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 that's it's you know that that's a press headline because you know, Ronda Rousey's involvement, and they both do a great job. Sasha Banks, I've always thought, was a very good wrestler. Um, sometimes I'm not interested in what she's doing as a character, but as a wrestler, that that's that ability is there for sure. And again, because Sasha Banks brings her own unique skill set. Ronda Rousey has to kind of adapt to it. And we've always appreciated that about Ronda is she's very adaptable depending on who she's fighting in the ring. And this is a good match. It's absolutely a good match. I'm with you. That whatever they're doing wrong with Sasha, Sasha knows how to turn it on once the bell rings. Sure. She's a, she's a great wrestler. She really is. And she, uh, man, seeing her get thrown around like a rag doll is always fun. And Ronda's one of those where she's not that much bigger than Sasha. She has the strength and she also has the skill. She has that judo uh, ability where she can throw Sasha around with uh, what looks like no effort whatsoever. Um, And she wins the match as a result of the fact that it's her time. She has the champion's advantage she is a superior wrestler. Uh, I mean, we just both got through giving Sasha all the credit in the world, and yet I still think in the end, sort of like we say about Shayna Baszler, um, I guess in, these are instances where they're legitimate combat sport or fighting background lends itself to being very talented uh, as a wrestler. And that's the case with Ronda here. And so to me... It's a no-brainer that she retains, and so she does. Sure, absolutely. Next up is the Women's Royal Rumble match. I know we were very curious where they were going to place the two Rumble matches this year, and it is all wackadoo as compared to last year. It's not start and finish. It's not men first, women second. It's, you know, the Men's Rumble ends up headlining the card, and uh, the women's match is actually just... Two matches earlier. We know one but, thing. They, they both can't go on last, and also you don't want them both back-to-back. I think that's a huge misstep. So they know they have to split it up. So, Well, let's talk about the 30 people involved in the actual Rumble uh, and also the person involved in the Royal Rumble contest here. For the Women's Royal Rumble, coming out first is Lacey Evans, and that means you, Showtime 21. Number two was Natalia, also known as Daniel Laguna. Number three, Mandy Rose, representing Papa Midnight, Ben Blanton. Number four was Liv Morgan, Charles Volkert. Number five, Mickey James. She is uh, symbolically Jonas Black on this night. Very symbolically. Number six was Ember Moon, Abe Martin. Number seven, Billy Kay of the Iconics is taking it into the Rumble for Coheed Heights. Uh, Number eight was Nikki Cross, who was repped by Jameson Bennett. Number nine, Peyton Royce, the other half of the Iconics. That's Jeb Brown, new listener to the show. Number ten was Tamina, Tamina Snuka, who was repped by Jason Maxwell. Number eleven, Shia Lee. Shia Lee's contestant. Counterpart is Edgar Menares. Edgar Menares. The queso kid, some call him, Darren. Number 12. Eats a lot of liquid cheese. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And he's a very young man. He's a kid. 
Number 12, Sarah Logan, who was Destiny. Number 13, The Nature Girl, Charlotte Flair. And that goes with our good buddy, Tyler Rollins. Number 14 was Kairi Sane, or as we call her, Delilah. Number 15, Maria Kanellis returning to action. And she will be representing on this night, Ryan Kelly. Number 16, Naomi, who was rep by Max Gregg. Number 17, Candice Wrestling, a.k.a. Candice LeRae, representing Sean Guarino. Number 18 was Alicia Fox, who had a fellow wrestler, uh, Teddy Stigma. Had that stigma to number 18. Number 19, the American Ninja Warrior, Casey Cotanzaro. And her counterpart is Duncan Welker, the cleanser Duncan Welker. The cleanser, Darren, the cleanser. I feel cleansed already. <laughs> number 20, Zelina Vega doing her best Vega from Street Fighter. Thought that was pretty cool looking. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm sure uh, number 20, Ronnie Rios also thought the same thing. Number 21, Ruby Riot. Number 21, Ruby Riot, of course, was partnered up with Tom Breen. Former champion Tom Breen. Number 22, Dana Brooke. Crystal was uh, with Dana Brooke there. Number 23, Io Shirai, representing Starla Fortier. Number 24, another past winner of our Rumble contest, the winner of the first Rumble, Ryan Pate. But Rhea Ripley was uh, his avatar on this night. Uh, Rhea Ripley, that's your girl, right? That's... The old Rhea Ripley more so, but yes, still Rhea Ripley, still my girl, yes. Number 25 in the Women's Royal Rumble is Sonya Deville, and she will be representing John Bring, friend of the show. Number 26 was actually my pick to win the Rumble, but uh, did not. That was Alexa Bliss. I'm sure her time will come. Unfortunately, that also meant that Luis Gonzalez, number 26, did not win. Sorry, buddy. Maybe next year. Number 27, Bailey. And Bailey on this night is Richard Studebaker. Number 28, unofficially, or I should say officially, was Lana. But, of course, Lana, nursing that limp on the way to the ring, didn't quite make it. So number 28 actually turned out to be Becky Lynch. And that would, of course, be Roshan Rochester at number 28. This is very important. You'll hear why when we're done talking about the 30 it people. Is, it is important. It's, it's, uh, whew. It's, it's a bang up. It's a car crash. Because she wins, that's why. 29. 29. <laughs> 29 is Nia Jax. Her contestant counterpart. From the third annual Royal Rumble contest is Jared Hill. Number 30, Carmella, who of course is joined by someone who is perpetually number 30, and we don't know why, Mike Farinelli. His third time drawing 30. He knew this time would not be a charm, that's for sure. Now, do we go straight to the controversy or do we have any thoughts on this match? Uh, the match itself was fine. I thought uh, it was interesting. There wasn't a whole lot of... Uh, 
I don't want to say oldies. That's typically what you say when, you know, people from past generations show up. But no, no Trish Stratus, no Lita, no Kelly Kelly. It was just a lot of current roster people. I, I think the luster might be off the women's rumble as far as, like, it being a new thing because it's not anymore. Um, and they knew they had the roster big enough to to get this thing going without having to call in a bunch of favors. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Rumble itself, was, it was a good match. Uh, Lacey Evans opening the whole thing and getting mic time was a huge surprise to me. She, speaking of Bianca Belair, and we'll, I'll call it out because this is the whole reference show, the only wrestling podcast calls it right down the middle, and I enjoy Lacey Evans, but she did not put on a great showing. Um, she looked pretty green that night. It's because she is. Yeah. You know, but talk about fit. No one is fitter than she. Um, and strong as an ox. And um, she has talents. Uh, they're just not refined yet. Uh, maybe they will be, but they're not yet. Um, but, yeah, they put a lot of stock in her to, to start this off and have that microphone and be center stage center ring in front of that whole stadium um and it's not nervousness uh, any any lack of uh any lack of precision i would not chalk up to nervousness it's just that she's green sure absolutely and you're right there are no big comebacks or surprises because there don't need to be i go back to the fact that this division is young enough and it is robust enough where it still truly feels like an all-star game, like an all-star lineup here. Whereas the men's rumble doesn't always, because you end up having people like Shelton Benjamin. Uh, you know, like, but in the women's rumble, it's like everybody's still, like, new and fresh and a big deal. I mean, you know, every single person may not be somebody's favorite, but, but maybe everybody is somebody's favorite, because it's still... They're still new and shiny. And that's my favorite part of the Women's Rumble is that it's like every entrant is like, ooh, her, ooh, her, True. yay, her. Because um, I know I, like people like all three members of the Riot Squad I pop for. Alicia Fox, believe it or not, of all people, I you know I still pop for Alicia Fox. She's a good character when they let her be one. I do like Alicia. I thought the Maria Canellis Alicia Fox bit was a little cringeworthy, especially when Maria tries to break her hat and tries and to can't. stomp on it and can't because apparently it's indestructible. Yeah, that, uh, I will say uh, all the surprises too, or the, 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 the I guess surprises are just call ups, really. Uh, Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai, Shia Lee, uh, Kyrie Sane. All those people, uh, basically, they're all Japanese um, and or uh, uh, Chinese, and I think those are great. I think that those those keep it really fresh. Candice LeRae, that made me very very happy to see Candice LeRae in a Royal Rumble. So I like I, I'm all about these entrants. I like the uh, all of them pulling their shtick. You know, the Iconics pulling their Iconics shtick. You know, uh, Lacey Evans getting that mic time to really put over who her character is. Um, so that was good. Yeah, so the new faces, I thought, uh, had a good opportunity to shine in this match. I thought this match was more balanced as far as everyone looking good, uh, more so than the men's match. Men, Some of the men just got 
horribly destroyed in that match. Oh, except for Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan got put out immediately. I, I would have loved for the, the entire Riot Squad to have been at the same time. And uh, Natalia knocks out Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan. I thought for sure that means Ruby Riot would come in and throw Natalia out, but that's not what happened at all. Yeah, uh, some some things were kind of questionable throughout the match, but uh, all in all, I think it was a decent Royal Rumble match. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it was more balanced and more fair. Uh, not fair and balanced. Balanced and fair than the Men's Rumble was. Uh, because the Men's Rumble, while I think it was a good Rumble, was certainly up to its old tricks, and we'll talk about that, where it's like uh, quick exit, quick exit, predictable long stay, predictable long stay, blah, blah, blah. And and then here's a joke spot. Here's a joke spot. Um, we don't get a whole lot of that with the women's rumble. Uh, you know, Zelina Vega, you know, she hides under the ring for a while. And, uh, of course, that will bite her in the end, probably literally. <laughs> yes, when the good old Hornswoggle decides to show up during the match, Darren's favorite wrestler, I I don't get it. I don't know why they keep going back to Hornswoggle. <laughs> I, of I, all the things. I don't know either. Uh, but Hornswoggle shows up basically just to get Zelina Vega out of the match. I did like the part where Naomi goes through all that trouble to get thrown out and stay stay uh, stay non thrown out because her feet haven't quite touched the floor yet. But then Mandy Rose. She, she gets, Naomi gets all the way back to the stairs and Mandy Rose just totally throws her off and just eliminates her. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that was uh, an interesting twist on the on the whole Kofi Kingston bit. Right. So um, number 28 was supposed to be Lana. She's injured. Instead, Becky Lynch comes out and pleads her case to one fit Finley, who decides to put her in coach. She's ready to play. She wants to get an opportunity for a, a title shot, which, again, she lost very easily earlier in the night. Uh, I, I don't know what she thinks a title, like, you had a chance earlier, and now you just won the Rumble for a chance to potentially lose again. I don't know. Again, the whole beginning of the of the night with her losing to Asuka kind of left a bad taste in my mouth, especially when she won this. It was kind of like, but then... Then what? You just gotta you just gonna lose again, huh, the man? So So that was the most troubling part of that to you. The most troubling part of it to me was that Fit Finley was not concerned about his son Hornswoggle, but instead, <laughs> but instead was terribly concerned about Lana's ankle and Becky's uh road to WrestleMania. Fair I'm enough. like, dude, there's your Son, right? <laughs> Maybe it's Vince McMahon's son. I don't know. Uh, who knows you'd, anymore? You'd have to ask Mr. Kennedy to find out. But oh. I, there was a, a little bit, a little bit of uh, controversy here. It seems to, I think WWE did a very good job of quickly showing a graphic the next morning that definitively placed Becky Lynch as winning at number 28. Because the night of, and I don't know if it was just people just speaking out of turn or if they were getting mixed messages in their ear, uh, in their ears, in their headsets, but Becky Lynch was on the air, called entry number 28, entry number 30, and yes, even at one point she was referred to 
as entry 31. <laughs> and so uh, as one half of a podcast is offering a prize that is based entirely on a slot, um, especially the winner's slot. Um, <laughs> I was going, oh, my God. What? I don't know who, who gets the prize. So it was up in the air, but Becky does go in definitively at the 28th spot, and she wins the match. She does, absolutely, which means number 28 on our official third annual Royal Rumble contest, Roshan Rochester, you have won the Women's Royal Rumble. Roshan Rochester... You are the big winner here, one of two winners of the whole Reffin Show third annual Royal Rumble contest. That's right, Darren. Now tell him what he's won. I'll tell you what he's won. Rashawn Rochester has won an autographed copy of Box Brown's graphic novel, Andre the Giant, Life and Legend. That's right, new friend of the show and comic book author, illustrator, Box Brown, was so gracious as to donate to the whole reference show a copy of his award-winning graphic novel about Andre the Giant. And I'm telling you, it's unreal, uh, all of the write-ups that this guy has. First of all, it was a New York Times bestseller. Uh, it is called The Definitive Biography of Andre the Giant. And there are quotes, little blurbs on the cover from Mick Foley, Mandy Patinkin, Jim Ross, Durf, Back Durf. I mean, these are people from wrestling, people from Hollywood, people from comics. And they are coming out of the woodwork to give credit to Box Brown for uh, this absolutely well-researched and endearing look at Andre the Giant. So it's a great graphic novel, and it is autographed with a personal doodle of Andre as well. So Box Brown's Andre the Giant graphic novel is your prize, Rashawn Rochester, from Box Brown and from Perry Smith and from Darren Beasley, from the whole reference show. Congratulations to you. Absolutely. Congratulations, Roshan. And uh, we do hope you come back next year for a chance to win uh, again. But you do join the Hall of Fame. That's right. Ryan Pate, Tom Breen, now Roshan Rochester. But that does take us to our next match. That's right. Some more regular matches, more or less, before the next Royal Rumble match. Uh, and it is Daniel Bryan defending his WWE title against AJ Styles. The highest I've ever seen this title defended on a card. <laughs> it's almost like they kind of respect it. No, now that Daniel Bryan's got it, sure. <laughs> there you go. Um, but how about AJ getting near the main event? Yeah, good for you, AJ. All that hard work sort of paying off. Uh, Daniel Bryan, I, again, I don't understand. I, I don't really love this gimmick. Wow. Um, wow. Usually it's it's me poo-pooing on this match, but now it's you. Wait, 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 before we get into the gimmick itself, I do want to say this match is great. This is a really good match. It is. The ending 
however, <laughs> might well, feed into what you're about to say. I don't mind a heel Daniel Bryan. I like a babyface Daniel Bryan, but I don't mind the heel. It's just, first of all, they did this. They've already done this. This is like, I don't know. It's just it's just a retread. They, they did this, uh, like, angry vegan, angry, like, you know, eco-warrior years ago before, like, I guess between WrestleMania 27 and 28. It's like we've seen this Daniel Bryan character before. Now, he's a different person in real life than he was almost 10 years ago now. But I don't know. It just doesn't seem – it doesn't have a lot of oomph to it. You know Dan. You know it's because, it's not because Daniel doesn't like it. I think he's probably on board for this gimmick. I'm surprised that he is, though, because, I mean, he is this guy, obviously not with the volume turned up the way it is. But it's it's interesting to me that he'll let them make this into a villain or a mockery when he does feel pretty pretty much like this. I sure. mean, he he said you know when he came back into wrestling, he, they were asking him about uh, coming up with some new designs for new Daniel Bryan merchandise, and he was against it because he was like you know I don't like that I don't like the carbon footprint all that stuff and now he's saying it and people are like oh he's just being a character it's like no he feels that way I, I remember that conversation um so he's just being himself and everyone's going look at this hippie or you know <laughs> like eat some meat you vegan um which I, I think it, it's a disservice to himself but also if there are people out there who feel that way and I know that there are they're gonna feel vilified and they should. Because it kind of shits on people who, again, think solar panels are a good idea. <laughs> Which is hilarious that this heel... We, 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 should, we should reduce our dependence on oil. Boo! What an asshole! Dun, 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 dun. You know what I mean? Like It doesn't work. To me, that, that, that's what I don't like about this. I'm not saying he's not doing a good job. He's doing exactly what he's being told to do. He's, he's pushing it the way that, I guess, it's supposed to be pushed. But at the same time, it's like, it's... That this this uh this new gimmick does not a villain make, Darren. Uh but it does. But it I does, mean, you apparently. Know, but it does. Uh, Eric Rowan, or just Rowan, makes his return. Um I guess they I guess he's not a bludgeon brother anymore. That was my immediate question was so I guess the bludgeon brothers are done, I guess. I don't yeah. know. So instead of having his like uh, creepy leather woodsman outfit, now he's just a guy. Now he's just <laughs> now, now he's just Chris Novoselic to Daniel Bryan's Kurt Cobain. Basically, yeah, they're just they're just a couple of hippies. Get yeah, haircuts, uh, you bums. Get real jobs. Yeah, he comes out in in his jeans and his flannel and his not Charles Manson shirt. And, uh, you know, I don't know who that is on that shirt, but, uh, what? I know. do you know who that is? Hell yeah, I know who that is, Darren. That's, uh, Tom Savini. Uh, you, you might know. Who, who is Tom Savini? You might know him better as Sex Machine from, from Dust Till Dawn. Uh, uh but also he's actually pretty well known in the horror movie world. He's actually a pretty famous, uh, makeup effects guy. Um, so actually I thought the shirt was really cool. Me, me and the folks I was viewing the rumble with all, all knew who that was and all thought it was a pretty cool shirt. Oh, well, I didn't, I thought, 
I, I just thought to myself, nice not Charles Manson shirt. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, even if you know who that is, even if you know who Tom Savini is, I think that shirt screams, you know, it wants to be Axl Rose's Charles Manson shirt from 1991, you know. I don't, I don't know about that, but... Uh... I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't, I don't know what the deal is with uh, Eric Rowan or Rowan or whatever they want to call him right now. And he's just with Daniel Bryan, which kind of is like, well, is this kind of a throwback to when Daniel Bryan was briefly involved with the Wyatt family where Rowan was? We're going to find out the, the Wyatt family is just kind of like commune hippies and it's, it's like a cult thing. And now Harper is going to show up at some point, also part of the cult. And if you make him a trio, then what does that even mean? So I, I'm, well, I'm wondering. Know, you know what it means? You know what that's very reminiscent of? Hmm. Charles Manson. Hey, hey. But the shirt, though, is Tom Savini. If it was a Tom Savini cult, uh, sign me up. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, I think that that's what we're trying. That's kind of what we're looking at here is the hair, the beards. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit Kurt Cobain. It's a little bit Charles Manson. It's, it's just this sort of outsider fringe mentality, this militant veganism, this militant conservationism. Um, it's unpopular. Uh, it doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean there aren't plenty of people, plenty of people that follow it, plenty sure. of people who believe in it, but the majority of people don't. That's why you make it a heel. That's who heels are in wrestling. They're people you either hate or people you don't understand. Or people you hate because you don't understand. Sure. But isn't that like, just life in general, Darren? It is. It's the, I mean, hell, it's the X-Men's creed. They are sworn to protect a world that fears and hates them. It's their victor creed. <laughs> it is their victor creed. A.K.A. Sabretooth. So, yeah, Eric Rowan comes out and kind of helps Daniel Bryan win this match. He holds on to his WWE title, and that takes us to another worthless title, uh, the Universal Championship, defended by the Beast, Brock Lesnar. And uh, he takes on this new challenger by the name of Finn Balor. I'm not even going to get back into the David and Goliath stuff. They, they butchered it. They botched it. They, it's FUBAR. That story is now FUBAR. And until you get the belt off of Brock Lesnar, uh, you cannot even get you can't touch that story with a ten foot pole and ha and make me give a damn. Especially after this night, the fruit roll up belt uh, might as well just be packed away with the European title uh, and <laughs> oh wow, all those other defunct belts, um, hardcore title. Yeah, because that's about how much it's worth. And Brock Lesnar, who is still an intimidating-looking dude, who I still think has UFC victories in his future, is just not the professional wrestler that I want to see with any great frequency. Uh, now, he is managed by Paul Heyman, who I can never get enough of, but I'm ready to see Heyman at somebody else's side. Sure. I'm ready to see Heyman touting someone besides Brock Lesnar. And I wouldn't mind if that person were his opponent in this match, Finn Balor. I think in an era where Lesnar was gone away and Heyman was with Finn Balor, I think some magic could happen. Hell, I think Paul Heyman turning on Lesnar to go with Balor 
could make some magic happen. But I don't know. They're really married to this Lesnar Heyman idea. This is true. So try as you might, Finn Balor cannot take that title away from Brock Lesnar on this night or really any night. That's that's for certain. Uh, yes, he, he, you're never going to get it. Not to, you're never, never going to get right, it. Exactly. Uh, I mean, Finn Balor doesn't look too bad in the match, but I just knew he had a, a snowball's chance of uh, winning. So, anywho, that is that. But that takes us into the men's Royal Rumble match and another chance for our third annual Royal Rumble contest participants. So the contestants we read off earlier for the women's Rumble, so this one we're just going to name off the men in this actual Rumble uh, not so much the uh, participants in the Royal Rumble contest. You know who you are. You know him. You love him. That's right, folks. So here we go. Number one, Elias. Number two, Jeff Jarrett. J E F J A R E T. Number three, Shinsuke Nakamura, which was last year's winner of the Royal Rumble. Number four, Kurt Angle. Number five, Big E. Number six, Johnny Gargano from NXT. Number seven, Jinder Mahal. Number eight, Samoa Joe. Number nine, Kurt Hawkins. Number 10, Seth Rollins. Remember that number, folks. Seth Rollins at number 10. Uh, number 11, Titus O'Neil. Number 12, Kofi Kingston. 13, Mustafa Ali. Fabulous he. Uh, 14, no. Dean Ambrose. 15 was sorta No Way Jose. Number 16, Drew McIntyre. Number 17, Xavier Woods. Number 18, Pete Dunne, the WWE UK champion. Number 19, Andrade Almas. Number 20, Apollo Crews. Number 21 from NXT, the guy wrestled just 24 hours earlier, Aleister Black. 22, Shelton Benjamin, the gold standard. 23, Baron Corbin, the constable. Number 24, Jeff Hardy, the charismatic enigma. Number 25, Booyaka, Booyaka, baby, 619, Rey Mysterio Jr. Number 26, the almighty Bobby Lashley. Number 27, Braun Strowman. Number 28, Dolph Ziggler. Number 29, Randy Orton. <laughs> and number 30, Arthur. This was not our truths best moment of the weekend. His best moment was actually the night before when he wrapped Jack Swagger uh, to the ring for Jack Swagger's MMA debut in Bellator. <laughs> uh, that was definitely our truths moment to shine this weekend, not his unimpressive showing in the Rumble. Right. By that you mean no showing whatsoever because he was shanghaied on his way, bushwhacked, if you will, on his way to the ring by one Nia Jax who gets involved in the Rumble. Precisely. There you go. Uh, Rumble itself. I mean, obviously, let's talk about the first two people in the match, Elias and Jeff Jarrett. That whole thing was pretty fun. And I like that Jeff Jarrett just basically gets turned on instantly by Elias and thrown out. Um, that kind of sets the, the tone. But uh, that, that was very odd. It was weird because I was hanging out with a friend of the show, uh, John Bring, watching the Rumble. And we had mentioned Jeff Jarrett earlier, like a couple hours earlier. And then all of a sudden... He was in the Rumble. thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, it was also weird seeing him. Uh, it was a, he was a weird mix between Double J and Slap Nuts. Because he had on the Double J gear, but then he had the short hair and the, like, uh, Oakley sunglasses, like Slap Nuts. And it was like, 
That's a weird hybrid Jeff Jarrett in there. Right. Hey, he still looked pretty good, though. The, the man can still go. Sure, absolutely. He still had a good build. Um, obviously just older, but, yeah, he still looked pretty good. By the way, with Jeff Jarrett, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Kurt Angle being 75% of the first four entries, I was like, is this TNA in 2009? <laughs> right. Very strange. Very strange. And it wouldn't in there. Of course, you're going to have people like Samoa Joe also in this match and Jeff Hardy and Bobby Lashley. I'm like, wow. Our truth former uh, NWA TNA uh, world champion. So, uh, you know, don't let him ever convince you that TNA wasn't. Uh, a relevant company. Oh, absolutely. Um, some things kind of bother me in this one. Of course, you know, with Titus O'Neil coming out, you're, you're going to see some sort of stupid, like, oh, I'm so clumsy spot. Um, also, all the stuff with Kofi Kingston, like, landing on his back, but his legs are still up. It's like, well, then anyone can fall out and keep their legs held up and just get back into the ring again, right? I mean, that's all oh, yeah. it takes. It, you know, like, the, the whole... I think this was the year that that died. The gimmick has to die this year because they pushed it too far. Way you know, they call... too far. Especially, yeah. it, it's hard. It's a hard act to follow uh, Miss American Ninja Warrior uh, Casey Catanzaro, who s super impressively gets back into the ring by uh, straddling the uh, the turnbuckle posts and like somehow able to get back up from that uh, seated position. So from her doing that to Kofi just going, oh, oh, but my feet aren't touching, my feet aren't touching. It's just kind of like this isn't anything. Well, sure. Just like the fact that there it's a two-foot rule is called the Shawn Michaels rule. I think starting in 2020, there needs to be the Kofi Kingston rule. If both hands touch the ground, it should be the exact same as both feet. You're sure. out. Absolutely. If your whole back touches or your whole ass, guess what? You're out. Like, that's way too much. Like, you're out. You're not on the ring apron. You're not still touching the, the ring skirt. You're out. You are far beyond the confines of the ring, and you're on the ground. I don't care if, you know, that's what I'm saying. The rules, hashtag if wrestling were real, it does say you're not eliminated until both feet touch the ground. Well, guess what? Every other sport, you update the rules for the sake of clarity Hashtag if wrestling were real, this would need updating. I think even hashtag fake bullshit, 2020 is the year you update the rules and you call it the Kofi Kingston rule and fuck Kofi Kingston. <laughs> wow, I don't know about that. He's just doing what he's told, Darren. Easy, easy. Call call off the dogs there. Um, so yeah, some things like that really bothered me. Um, I, I don't think Gargano or Pete Dunne had a particularly strong showing at all. And they're, they're two champions, and they kind of came in and were just kind of like uh, thrown around a little bit and thrown out eventually. Especially after Gargano, a night before, had that excellent match with Ricochet, and now was just kind of a participant in the Royal Rumble. Woo! Um, so there's that. Obviously, Nia Jax coming in. That was a huge controversy. A lot of people didn't like that because Nia Jax is involved in the, in this, uh, the men's Rumble. She probably should not have been there. Um, I say that because... People obviously cite uh, Beth Phoenix being in the Rumble prior or China being in the Rumble prior. Here's the difference, folks. That wasn't the men's Rumble. That was just the Royal Rumble, right? Now we officially have women's Royal Rumble, men's Royal Rumble. And, and, and that argument, then you should probably keep them separate, sure. 
Well, yeah, I mean, but based on what we saw, why couldn't The Undertaker enter the Women's Royal Rumble? And that's also a joke that's being made, too. Someone said, like, does that mean Brock Lesnar could enter the Women's Rumble? No, it's absolutely true, too. And obviously, they're they're dipping their toe with this whole intergender wrestling. And a lot of people are for it. A lot of people are against it. Obviously, a lot of fans of, like, indie wrestling who have seen plenty of intergender wrestling, they're totally fine with it. I'm fine with it. But at the same time, storyline-wise, I thought, oh, man. Well, here's what you do. You bring in Becky Lynch, then, who says that she's the man. So it makes sense for her to show up in the men's rumble. But that's not what happened. We get Nia Jax, who everyone hates anyway. So they're, they're trying to play it off like, oh, you don't think women can get involved in the men's rumble? One, no, because it's the men's rumble. Two, because I hate Nia Jax anyway. Remember when she broke Becky Lynch's face? Remember that? That happened. Um, but also, Nia comes in, obviously beating up on our truth and uh, gets a little bit of offense in on, on some of the boys that are in there. But, man, I, I am not a huge fan of Dolph Ziggler or Randy Orton. But watching Dolph Ziggler give a super kick to Nia Jax and Randy Orton hit an RKO at Nia Jax was beautiful. Uh, so Nia Jax does go out and does not win the Rumble. But, uh, yeah, I, I missed up. One, I don't like Nia Jax in general. Two, it, it, a better idea would have been Becky Lynch showing up in the men's Rumble. I couldn't agree with that more. If you were going to blur that line or cross that line or ignore that line, that would be the smart, uh, logical, and fairly interesting way to do it. Nia just makes Nia look like an asshole. That's all. Basically, yeah, what she can do on her own, just fine without any booking from WWE. This is a situation where you can literally use the phrase, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Sure. And yet, it's not what's good for the goose, not good for the gander. And that's what I hate about any time men and women fight each other in WWE is it's boring because the way it's booked. Because the woman will always get over on the man and the man will never be able to retaliate. This is the first time, this is the first time you actually get the man you know, doing what they did to Nia Jax. They, okay, we hit her back then. Because that's what intergender wrestling truly is. The belief that this is already a fake fight. And, you know, suspension of disbelief because you know it's fake. Um, So (laughs) you have to understand that a woman could get some offense in on the guy, but the guy could also hit back. You're also, and you're you're kind of blurring a weird line where you're teaching women that it's okay to hit dudes because apparently they will not hit you back, according to this logic, you know what I mean? And that's kind of a thing of its own. Um, so yeah, if you want intergender wrestling, this is what it is. Naya gets to come in and pulverize a guy, but then the guy can turn around and pulverize her back. Cause that, that's fair. That's, that's equality and in intergender wrestling. I agree. Let me ask you this. You say WWE is dipping their toe in it. Do you think it might be that they already regret having two Royal Rumbles and, we may be looking at a greatest Royal Rumble style match for the regular Rumble next year. Instead of being two 30-person Rumbles, we might have one 40, 50, or 60-person Rumbles, and it's intergender. Uh, could be a 100-person Rumble at some point, Darren. They could do it. They could do it. Oh, they could easily do it. But I'm going to say... That in the next couple of years, the Royal Rumble pay-per-view in January will feature, uh, again, I don't know if it'll be next year, but 
in the next five years, January will have a pay-per-view that has one Royal Rumble match. It will be fully intergender, and it will have somewhere between 40 and 60 people in it, men and women. And uh, they've already decided they don't like the idea anymore of the automatic WrestleMania main event uh, prize. So uh, instead of having complicating it that much, just have one winner then. Then that one winner picks one, you know, who knows? Sure, I can see that, but then what's the point of winning the Royal Rumble? It, it, it's just a crown you get, like King of the Ring? It doesn't really mean anything. No, I'm saying that person still gets their their choice of what belt, about, you know, what world title they want. Sure, sure. Okay, well... It's interesting, and the Rumble itself is interesting. And, and there are some there are some good spots in the match uh, for certain. But in the end, someone that I said would win does win. It's a good night for number ten, Seth Rollins, who of course would be Jason Maxwell's number number ten, lucky number ten. So he wins the men's Royal Rumble. Congratulations, Jason Maxwell. That is right. Tell him what he's won. Well, Jason Maxwell, you have won uh, the whole Reffin Show official T-shirt. All you got to do is look at all of the beauty and the fun and the majesty and the appeal that Ryan Pate and Tom Breen have brought to the shirt and not to mention all the appeal the shirt has brought to them. That's right. You'll be looking sharp at the local indie show or whenever Raw or SmackDown comes to town wearing an f- official The Whole Ref and Joe t-shirt, buddy. Oh, and Jason Maxwell, speaking of indie shows, we wish we could have gotten you your prize before Hell or High Water so you could have worn it in attendance for that great indie wrestling show. But soon enough, it will be in your hands, in your arms, and on your back. On your back and on your front as well. The t-shirt features both front and back protection. That's right. It's not a one-sided <laughs> shirt. That's right, folks. An official The Whole Ref and Show t-shirt. Uh, so, again, congratulations, Jason Maxwell and Rashawn Rochester. Thank you so much for uh, playing our game. And thank you to our other 28 combatants as well, uh, our hashtag dear listeners who are involved in our contest. It's always a lot of fun. Uh, to do the rumble and kind of keep track of who's who and what's going on. You have to, you have to pay extra close attention if you're me or Darren, because we got to write all this stuff down. Uh, so, again, congratulations to the winners. Thank you again to those who did not win, uh, but hopefully we'll come back next year for our fourth annual The Whole Ref and Show Royal Rumble Contest. And that's it for our head-to-head. Head-to-head. It looks like I won that one too, Darren. It was not perfect, but I did win. I actually called the men's rumble correctly, as I did last year. Did not call the women's rumble correctly, as I did last year. But no one could see Becky Lynch coming in, man. No one could. I I mean, I I definitely could not. I will finish the night four and five. Not a great showing. Your showing at six and three not only defeats me, but is pretty good overall. So, again... A second tip of my cap to you. The weekend is yours, my friend. Yay. Last weekend's mine. It means a lot. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed our coverage of NXT TakeOver Phoenix and the Royal Rumble. Did you? Let us know. 
There's a lot of ways you can let us know. Find us on Twitter, Ref and Show Podcast, R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like and share. We would appreciate that. If you want to send us a Gmail, you may. We'll let you. The whole ref and show at gmail.com. T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com or Or we are on Instagram at the whole ref and show. T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Hashtag dear listeners. Thank you again for listening to our show. Episode 116. We'll see you next week for episode 117. But until then, I will remain Perry Smith. And I will remain the incredible badass that is Darren Beasley. And we're going to see you when we see you. See ya. Bye-bye. That takes us into our next match. For the Ninnick. For the Ninnick. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead.